Welcome to the Smith and Steward podcast. I'm Mrs. Smith, but you can call me Ellie, and my mission is to strengthen fellow homemakers as we faithfully steward our homes and the souls inside them. Here, we'll seek inspiration for everyday moments and answers to your questions about all things homemaking, including interior decorating, gardening, cooking and baking, tidying up, and much more. Thank you so much for joining me for today's episode. Let's get started. Hello, friends. Thanks for joining me for another episode of the Smith and Steward podcast. Today, like in episode two, we are tackling a topic that might surprise you given that this is a homemaking podcast. I want to talk about working from home. Now, the easy reason that I could share for wanting to talk about this subject is that I personally have experience trying to juggle working from home while being a homemaker. But the reality in our current economy is that there might be many of you who are either having to enter the workforce or start a side hustle and get some extra income for a season, or who are just consistently and already working from home. Either way, I believe that talking about a work from home work-life balance is a conversation that is relevant and hopefully helpful for many of you. I know from my own experience that it's hard having to juggle a full-time job along with homemaking, which let's be honest, homemaking is a full-time job in and of itself. Not to mention one day I hope to also juggle motherhood as well, and many of you are already juggling that. That's a lot on one person's plate. Now, even if you're just getting into the art of homemaking and you're trying to add these new routines and tasks into your life while balancing it with doing your work from home job well, in either case, this is a conversation that hopefully can help and encourage you in that journey. I want to preface all of this by saying I am not an expert. Hopefully you understand this with all of my podcast episodes, but I am still a novice homemaker myself, and I'm also less than three years into working from home full time. I know that's a lot longer than I expected to work from home and maybe longer than some of you have been doing it, but compared to some of my coworkers, it's not quite as long. So please don't hear anything that I say as the absolute right way or the best advice ever. I'm still learning and I'm still tweaking my own systems too. But what I hope to cover in today's episode is this. I want to offer some tips and helpful mindsets to assist you in finding a balance between work and homemaking to help you stay focused and productive when needed, and probably most importantly, to help you determine what your priorities are and to keep them as the main thing. Now, if you are a homemaker who does not have a full or even a part-time job outside of homemaking, there are still some things that I think you'll be able to take away from when it comes to productivity within the home from this episode. I hope that none of y'all think just because this episode isn't geared directly toward you that there is any sort of judgment in the back of my head about women who are quote-unquote just homemakers. It is my firm belief that homemaking is the most noble pursuit that we can have as women. I believe homemaking, especially when combined with motherhood and a servant's heart, is the vocation most in line with God's heart for us, and that it's the most fulfilling vocation for our feminine souls. But the reality of life is that some of us aren't able to just focus on homemaking and motherhood. Some of us, whether we want to or we need to for financial reasons, will work a job outside of homemaking. And maybe that job is done from within our homes. 
If you've ever worked from home, you know that it is very different from working in an office or another place to which you have to commute. There are some pros and cons to it, and I want to go through some of those real quick. First, working from home might make it harder to compartmentalize your roles or your tasks. When you do your work in the same space that you relax or do your homemaking, it becomes so easy to let all those things melt together, and that can really eat up a lot of time and attention trying to transition and transition constantly. On the other hand, it is easier to have access to do housework and even be with family during the day, which can be a huge blessing. For example, I like to let my laundry run while I'm working. That means it can take up less time for me to do certain chores or homemaking tasks that can run automatically like that in the background, but that can only be done while I'm at home. I wouldn't want to leave my dryer running, for example, while I was working at the office. Now, another con is it can be harder to focus on work when we're surrounded by distractions. I'll be honest, when I started working from home in the spring of 2020, I was so tempted to linger on the couch watching TV long after my lunch break was over. I would often convince myself that it was okay to let a show run in the background when I was doing certain tasks that were more mindless. But if I'm honest, that sucked up way more time than I expected and way more time than I would have liked. I still sometimes have to go to a coffee shop on occasion instead of just doing a task from home, but I have worked on balancing this a little bit. It's just a hurdle to overcome. Again, on the positive side, working from home can make it easier to find a work-life balance. I'm so grateful that I can do a quick workout on my lunch break without having to dedicate another hour or so to showering and getting office-ready appearance again. I also have more time to my morning routine because I don't have a commute anymore, and I get to make my meals fresh at home instead of taking them to go, which I absolutely hated having to do when I had to commute. So yay, there are great things about working from home, and all right, there are also hard things that we'll have to tackle, but what can you do to make the best use of your time and to find that balance that we mentioned earlier? I have five tips. First, determine your priorities. This has to be the first thing you do. The decisions that you'll make in this step will help determine the details and some of your routines and other things to come in the next four steps. So let's figure it out together. The first thing you'll need to do is list out what roles you have. These will be the different hats you wear or the balls you juggle, so to speak. My mom always was using this juggler imagery when talking about her own work-life balance when I was growing up. She actually started her own business and was even the breadwinner in our household for a little while. So trust me, she had a lot of different things up in the air. I heard an illustration about ball juggling this week on another podcast that I want to share with y'all because it really helped me visualize and frame my own priorities. So the women on this podcast couldn't remember exactly where they first heard the metaphor, so you might already be familiar with it, but it was new to me. And it goes like this. So you're a juggler, juggling all the different things that you have to do. They're all different balls. And you're throwing them up and catching them and throwing them up in the air again. But they're all made of different materials. So some of your balls are rubber, and they'll bounce right back up if they fall to the floor. But some of them are glass. And you absolutely cannot let those drop or they will break. I want you to look at the list that you wrote down with all of your different balls on it. If you didn't write those down yet, go ahead and pause this episode really quickly. I want you to actually do this. I'll be here when you get back. 
All right. Now look at that list that you wrote. Maybe you're juggling a lot of things. Maybe you're only juggling a few. Either way, circle the ones that are glass to you. These will be the things that are the most important to you. You do not want to let them drop. And this isn't just because, well, someone can't do this without me, so it will break if I drop it. No, the glass ones will be what is most important to you. Maybe it's your business. Maybe it's your children. Maybe it's your marriage or your relationship with God. Once you have them circled, I want you to put a line through the other things that are the least important to you. And not everything on your list will have a circle or a line, just some of them will. So the ones that I want you to put a line through are just things that maybe you know they'll bounce right back up if they're not handled. Or maybe these things just don't ignite your heart anymore. Note that these shouldn't be anything that's necessary but not fun, like paying the bills or feeding yourself nutritious food, but there might be things on your list that could either be delegated to someone else or maybe they could be let go of altogether. We hear a lot of messaging in our culture today that says, you can have it all or you are enough. And while I think a lot of that comes with good intentions, it's just not true that you can do everything on your own and have it all, especially if you're overburdened and have too much on your plate. There are some things that you're not going to be able to get done in a day. Something is going to have to be let go and hit the floor if there are too many balls in your juggling act. So make it easier on yourself to juggle those important glass things by handing the rubber balls off to someone else or even just letting go of them entirely if you need to. And for those other things that you have to or want to still juggle, whether they're glass or not, focus on those glass things most of all. Let them be your main priority. Really quickly, I want to go through my own juggling act and just give you an example of this activity. So some of the things that I have in the air right now are my marriage, my faith or my relationship with God, my full-time job as a magazine writer, writing and recording and even posting on social media for the Smith and Stewart podcast that you're listening to right now, producing content for my church's women's ministry social media pages. I have my friendships and family relationships, my health, which includes diet and also exercise. And last but not least, I also have to juggle being a homemaker, beautifying my home and keeping it running smoothly. So with this list, I would say that my most important glass balls are my faith and my marriage, as well as my job, because scripture says I should honor my employer with the work that I do. My least important, the still good things that I would like to try to keep in the air are helping with the church social media and trying to exercise and take a little bit better care of my body. Oof. Okay, well, maybe I need to revisit that list, y'all, because I just felt a little twinge of conviction about that last one. So maybe pray over your list and ask the Lord to reveal to you what he wants you to prioritize instead of just what you think you should prioritize. Because I think, well, God, aren't all of these things good and aren't they all in line with your will and what you tell us to do but i know realistically i can't juggle all of that and even if i try i want to focus on the glass things and put my attention there so that most of all those won't drop 
Okay, so now that we've got our priorities in order, we can move on to tip number two. Remember, we are talking about working from home and how to best find balance and maximize the use of your time. So work is probably one of your important things that you're juggling. Maybe it's not a glass ball, but it's definitely not rubber. At least I would be surprised if it was. You still want to prioritize work over other things like entertainment or maybe some of the other things you marked as rubber balls. So the second tip to help you do that is this. Create separation where you can. The biggest and most impactful way to create separation is to have a specific place where you will do your work. From what I've learned, there is legitimate science behind this, y'all. Your brain is better able to focus and get into work mode when it's connected to a place. The way I have understood it, this is similar to the same science behind a sleep tip that you might have heard, which says, don't do other stuff in your bedroom besides sleep and intimacy, of course, but leave that bedroom space instead dedicated for rest so that your brain, when you enter that space, is more able to quickly go into rest mode. So the same principle applies with your work. You can kind of hack your brain, so to say. If you have a desk and all you do at that desk is work, then you'll be more easily and more quickly ready to do work when you sit down and go to that desk. In our house, my husband and I turned one of our spare bedrooms into an office for this purpose. We have two different desks in here. One is for him and one is for me. So even though he doesn't work from home, he does work or play games at his computer sometimes in the evening time. And it really helps me to have a different space from him so that he can leave his tools and gadgets set up nearby and I can decorate my space in the way that I need it set up for me. But what should that desk setup look like? Is there a certain way that you need to do this or a certain way that you need to decorate or organize your space? And the answer to this question is yes and no. Of course, you should customize your office space just like you would decorate and personalize anywhere in your home. You want it to feel like you. But there are also some key things to keep in mind if you want productivity and focus to be typical of this space. So one, you can keep it clean and distraction free. I personally get really distracted by clutter. So I like to clear off my desk surface every evening and kind of reset it for the next day. Also, you want to probably keep your phone away from this space. If you really need to have it nearby, I would suggest at least putting it on do not disturb Place some time limits on your apps. You can do that in your settings if you have an iPhone. And even maybe try an app like Forest or something like that that encourages you to keep your screen off. I know there are different ones that will like grow a little virtual tree the longer that you stay away from your phone. Another thing is definitely don't let your desk face a TV or something else that's going to distract you. I don't even like my desk to face a window, honestly, that really used to distract me in our old living space. Now, it is super beneficial for you to have natural light nearby, though, so maybe sit next to a window but have your back to it or place it on your side, which is what I like to do. Another way to optimize your desk is to make it comfortable and inspiring. It helps to have a chair that is comfortable to sit in so you're not constantly distracted trying to find a comfy spot or maybe raise your monitor so that your neck isn't strained at the end of the day from looking down all day. But when it comes to inspiring, you might be thinking, 
why? Well, maybe that one doesn't apply to you as a listener as much as it does to me. I personally have a creative role as a writer, so it is very important for me to feel inspired when I'm at my desk so that I can write well. But if your job isn't creative, I still think that having inspiration nearby is still a benefit to you. And one of those ways that you can incorporate that is have something beautiful nearby, maybe some plants, whether it's For me, I like faux flowers because they never fade um, and I don't have to take care of them. But you can also create inspiration in your space with music too. So create this atmosphere at your work desk, not just visually, but also audibly. Maybe you need some noise-canceling headphones to drown out city noise while you're working, or maybe you need it playing just gently aloud in the room so that you can keep an ear out for your baby who's napping in the other room. Either way, I like to play music to keep me in work mode. It helps lessen my own desire to watch something on my phone while I work or listen to something fun, and it definitely keeps me more productive than just silence. I have to have something instrumental though. Uh, This might not really apply to you, but for me when I'm writing, if there's lyrics going on, it's kind of the same level of distraction as a podcast, which of course podcasts are great for things like housework and some of my work tasks. But when I'm writing, like I said, words cannot be in the picture. So I like to go to YouTube and search for channels like ambient worlds or just other ambient music. You can find ones from your favorite movie settings. I really like with my friend to listen to um, the Shire from Lord of the Rings. There's the movie soundtrack whenever it's in that space, as well as some ambient noises that would be there. Or maybe I'll play lo-fi or jazz music, which has a little bit more of an energetic beat. There's also video game soundtracks, whether you are someone who plays video games or not, or whether you've played that specific video game or not, these are strategically designed and composed a lot of times so that they keep the player motivated and not distracted. So they're perfect for keeping you motivated while you're working a lot of the time. And there are other ideas that I've heard for just plain ambient noise without music, like white noise or brown noise or rainfall, but I don't really use those. You can definitely search some on YouTube or there's different apps and websites that I've heard can help you create your own perfect customized ambient noises. Really whatever works for you, you can figure it out by trying different things of what helps you work more productively as far as sound goes. But Ellie, you might be saying that desk or office setup sounds all fine and dandy, but I don't have a spare bedroom to turn into an office. What am I supposed to do? Now, trust me, I have been where you are if this is you. I know how hard that can be. When I first started working from home in the spring of 2020, I lived in a teeny tiny little apartment with very little natural light and a roommate who sometimes had to work from home too. I did not have room to put a desk in my bedroom and nor did I want to. And I just worked from my dining room table for months. It was hard. And then I got married and I moved into a another apartment to live with my husband and I had a spare bedroom there. It had not one, but two desks, but it was still really difficult to focus in there because that room was also the game room slash man cave. And it was the guest bedroom and the office. Yikes. But the good news is there are still ways to do this successfully, even if you don't have a dedicated office. So I would suggest setting up some kind of a desk, whether it's a card table that you fold up at the end of the workday or it's a dining room table or whatnot. I have worked on the couch. 
I am not productive on the couch. I doubt that you were productive on the couch. Having a table to put your laptop on sometimes makes all the difference. And at the very least, it helps not have your laptop overheat on your legs. Now, wherever you put this, I would still try to keep it away from the TV. Like I said, I used to have to do this. And what was really helpful for me was keeping all of my work tools, like my planner, pen and paper, the computer and the charger, and any reference books that I needed all together nearby. And I would just put them in this little wooden box. So it looked kind of nice. And when the workday was done, everything would go in the box and be cleared away. So it was like a little reset at the end of the day. And that actually is a huge benefit because it forces you to stick to your scheduled work times rather than getting distracted by a straight email and hopping back in while your family is home in the evening. And that actually leads me to another way that you can have separation in your work from home life, time blocking. By setting aside specific times in which you'll do certain groups of tasks, you can minimize your distractions. For example, I might do my homemaking tasks a little bit in the morning and then a little more around lunchtime and then again in the evenings, but I dedicate say 8 a.m. to noon and 1 p.m. to 5 for only work. Now, of course, those times are just an example. You can fill in your actual work hours there on your own, just like I would, but it really does help to compartmentalize and focus just on one thing at a time. Those of you who watch Parks and Rec may know this funny Ron Swanson quote that I think applies here, and I'm going to paraphrase because of his language, but he basically says, don't give half of your effort to two things. Give your whole effort to one thing. Now, it's not as funny with my paraphrase, but the lesson's still learned. So if you try to give your all to multiple things at once, you are by nature going to be giving less than 100%. Instead, focus on one thing at a time and then move on to the other. And that way you can get both things done well. If you listen to my second episode of the Smith and Stewart podcast, you know that I use the same method in my planner. Now, my planner is basically just a to-do list for each day, but I separate that list between work tasks and personal tasks. This is really helpful for focusing on the work stuff all at one time and then at homemaking and other personal stuff at another time. If you want to learn more about that, I have a whole episode on it. You can go listen to episode two called How I Discovered the Perfect Planner. Those of you who have young kids at home with you while you work might be time blockers by necessity. Maybe you can only get things done when your toddler is napping or maybe while they're at daycare. Or maybe they're a little older and you're homeschooling so they have reading time or they're working on schoolwork on their own. But planning your days in advance and having set times for those things to happen as much as you can can be really helpful. Of course, real life is going to happen and you will not be able to stick to those hours exactly all of the time, but by making a plan, at least you'll be able to more likely get close. I should reiterate, I don't have kids. I have no experience with this, but those are just a couple tips that I can suggest that I believe would work well. Next, tip number three is to structure your day with routine. Those of you who, again, are mamas know that children thrive on routine. They crave it. They need it. But the truth is we adults really benefit from routine as well. It can trick your brain. It can make transitions smoother. And it can help put healthy habits into place as well. I think this is most important in the mornings. So instead of just waking up, brushing your teeth, and immediately sitting down at the computer to work – 
probably because you tried to sleep in as much as you could, you'll feel so much more awake and ready to go if you have a morning routine that benefits you. I want to do a full episode on my morning routine and my other routines later, but to give you a little sneak peek, here are a few of the things that I think are important to keep in a morning routine by giving you a taste of my own routine. So the first thing is I wake up before 6.15. Waking up at the same time every day makes it easier to wake up at that time every day, even on the weekends, y'all. Don't have to follow this exactly, but by putting a specific time on there, that really helps me actually get out of bed. Second, I like to pack my husband's lunch. I also make the bed. I get dressed and put on my makeup. I take my vitamins. I think it's really important for me to read my Bible and pray. Those are one of my glass balls. So that is right up there in my morning routine. And then I'll do a couple homemaking things like emptying the dishwasher, starting a load of laundry. Um, I also make a coffee. I usually do that so that I can drink it while I'm reading my Bible. And then lastly, I have on my routine to sit down at my desk. So that goes back to the place and having a space dedicated and separation that we were talking about in the earlier step. And there are more things on my routine that I don't have here. Like I said, I'll do another episode on those, but they can just give you an idea of some things that you maybe want to include in your routine. I also have afternoon and evening routines that help structure my day too. So an evening routine helps set up your morning for success, whether maybe you lay out your clothes the night before or plan out your day, or maybe you shine your sink and run a load of dishes overnight like I do. Also an afternoon routine, which is something I just recently started incorporating into my day, can help a lot too. For me, it helps keep me rolling into the afternoon instead of just letting my energy levels and my focus and productivity kind of linger and fall off slowly. So it's like a mini reset for my day. I can take a break, take a walk, get outside. I'll eat some lunch, maybe do a few homemaking tasks. And then after all of that, I can get back to work. My fourth tip is to take care of yourself. Okay, so that sounds pretty broad, and how does it help with working from home? The answer is that you're going to be better equipped when you're functioning well physically and mentally to do your job well or to be a good homemaker or mother or whatever role that you have. Remember, you can't pour from an empty cup. So one thing when you're taking care of yourself is to dress for success. Set your expectations, even subliminally, for how productive you'll be, or maybe subconsciously tell yourself what you're worth by putting on something that says what you want to believe about yourself. You want to be more feminine? Wear dresses and skirts at home. I really love doing this sometimes. You want to do some homemaking tasks? Okay, slip on your apron. Perhaps you want to rest and lay around the house all day. Wear your pajamas. Oh, what's that? You you want to wear your pajamas to work? All right. I think we can understand why that's a bad idea, right? It's the same thing as not doing non-sleepy things in your bed. The brain is in rest mode when you're wearing your pajamas. So instead, let's put on some basic makeup and dress yourself in real clothes. That way, not only do you feel more ready to take on the day, but hey, if someone pops in unexpectedly or you have to make a video call for work, you look presentable. I also like to look nice when my hubby comes home from his stressful day at work. This obviously is not required and doesn't necessarily have anything to do with your work from home day, but it's something that I thought I would mention because it's something I really enjoy doing. 
Sure, my husband loves me no matter what I look like, but I can show him love by making an effort to look put together and beautiful, even if it's just for his enjoyment because no one else sees me all day long. But besides dressing well, how else could you take care of yourself for work? I highly suggest moving your body and even getting outside during your breaks whenever you can. The oxygen and blood flow when you move your body and the vitamin D when you're out in the sunshine will both be able to boost your productivity and your mood. And it's super helpful for fighting that afternoon slump too. And finally, under this tip, make sure you're nourishing your body with water and with good nutrients. Having a meal plan for your lunches and even for your snacks can be super helpful so you won't be faced with decision fatigue when you go to eat. I know when I've been working all day, it is so easy to just tiredly shuffle into the kitchen and grab some Nutella and pretzels, but instead have healthy snacks at the ready and keep a water bottle nearby too so that you can stay hydrated. The fifth and final tip that I have for this episode is to set boundaries. This can be especially difficult but especially important if you share your workspace with other family members. So for me, I'm the only one at home until my husband comes home from work in the evenings. So it's a lot easier for me to just say, don't get distracted. But if you have kiddos running around or a roommate or maybe your husband works from home, then that person's presence has the potential to be a huge distraction. So it's helpful if you can have dedicated office space to separate from them like we talked about earlier. But whether that's an option for you or not, communication is the key to tackling this hurdle. You cannot expect your family to avoid distracting you with loud noises or popping in to ask you something, etc. if you have not directly and specifically asked them not to. Maybe you can gently tell your spouse, when I'm in the office, I'm going to close the door if I really need to focus. Please don't come in when it's closed unless you really need me. Setting an expectation like that and being clear and direct with your request is the best way to share a workspace at home. I also want to say have patience if you're trying to teach your kids something like this, of course. I wish I had more suggestions for that, but like I said, I'm not a mom, so I don't have much expertise in that area. I do want to encourage you to keep trying, though. Training a child in the way he should go takes a lot of frequent and little redirections over the course of years. So I would imagine that includes teaching respect for workplace boundaries, too. Just keep at it. Another way to set boundaries is by determining when you're going to work. Having set office hours is important, whether you just do two days a week on your business or whether you have a full-time 40-hour desk job at home. Again, this is going to allow you to put full focus on your work while you're working and put full focus on your family or your homemaking when you're not working. Routines can really help with this. So for me, when my husband gets home at the end of the day, I close my computer and clear off my desk and I'll go start dinner. His presence is my cue to start my evening routine and shut off work and because... (laughs) you know, he's there and can hold me accountable to that. It really helps me out. But maybe you and your spouse both work from home, so you don't have someone coming in at a certain time that's kind of your cue. You can set an alarm or something like that that can be your cue. Either way, make sure your boss and your office know what your work hours are going to be. They probably are going to tell this to you when you get hired. So like you're going to be working from eight to five. That's our expectation. But 
maybe you're like me and your supervisors aren't very strict on when you get your tasks done. So in that case too, it's still important to set that expectation that you are not on call whenever they need you just because you can work from home. Of course, if you're actually on call like a nurse or a doctor or another on-call career, you're in a different situation entirely. So I'm not talking to you specifically, but otherwise When work is done, leave it done. Sure, it can be hard to refrain from responding to that email that you just saw come in or something else. Maybe try taking your work email off of your phone so you can focus on your family in the evenings. But remember what we figured out in step one, those priorities. Those should be what you refuse to compromise on. So when it's time for those in your time-blocked schedule, don't let anything that's lower priority get in the way. You shouldn't have an urgent reaction to a lower priority thing unless it's actually something urgent, which of course does happen. Y'all, finding balance in these things is hard. Now, I know this isn't one of the five tips, but I still want to remind y'all to manage your expectations when it comes to all of this. If you think that a balanced work from home homemaker life is 50-50 work and homemaking or maybe splitting three ways between work, homemaking, and rest evenly, you should know that's probably not realistic. Life doesn't happen 50-50. And honestly, would you really want it to? If family is your priority, would you really want work to have just as much of an impact over your day as your loved ones do? Think back on those priorities and ask yourself, Are you working to live or are you living to work? I want to leave y'all today with a quote from Shay Elliott. I think that it's going to encourage both homemakers who work, whether from home or commuting outside the house, and those who don't work outside of homemaking as well. She says, I don't believe that homemaking is all that there is. I believe that some women, many women, have been called to work and use their skills to bless others in a variety of careers. But I'm fed up with our culture making women feel like they have to work outside the home, like raising children, producing food, loving a husband, and keeping a home isn't enough, because it is. Y'all, I feel so fulfilled by my job. It's my dream job. It gives me flexibility. It's a creative outlet. I have a strong community with my coworkers and so many more good things. But I am much more richly filled by the work my Heavenly Father has given me of making a home, being a wife, and hopefully one day raising children as a mother too. Whatever of these things are in your life today, dear homemaker, just remember that you're called as a steward to care for those things well. Colossians 3, 23 through 24 says, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Now it is time for Stuart Sparkers, the part of the show where I share recipes, books, influencers, products, whatever it is that has sparked inspiration for me as a homemaker this week. 
This week's Steward Sparker is a homesteading influencer I started following long before I knew I wanted to start a homemaking podcast. Her name is Tiffany, and her brand is Fernwoods Farm. She homeschools, she raises animals, and she grows an amazing garden, including a super cool loofah plant. Seriously, if you're not a gardener and you haven't heard of a loofah plant, look it up. They're really cool. Obviously, it's not the plastic kind that you buy at the store. It's a natural loofah plant, but they're really neat, and she grows them on an archway, and they're really fascinating to watch them grow. If you're listening and you know me personally, you've probably seen me share Tiffany's cute little Mother's Day video, by the way. This was something that she put up for, obviously, Mother's Day a few years ago, and it was one of her baby goats just saying, Mom, it was so cute. So I'm going to try to link that specific post in the description below so that each of y'all can watch that if you want to, because I guarantee it will make you laugh. I still giggle and get so much glee from just watching this cute little goat bleep, Ma. Anyways, whether you like cute goats or gardening tips, or maybe you want just inspiration on how to homeschool your kiddos, she's a great resource. She has super fun, uplifting, and helpful content on her page. Before we leave, I want to take a moment to say that I would love to learn about what has been inspiring you this week. If you want to message me on Instagram or send me an email with maybe your newest favorite recipe, awesome homemakers that you found online, or great products that you're loving, I really would love to learn about them. It's my goal that this podcast will not just be me preaching at an audience through a microphone, but rather an active, vibrant community of homemakers that share knowledge with one another. I want to have guests come share their expertise with y'all on here, and I really want to hear from you. I want to connect with you and get to know you individually on Instagram or however you want to connect with me. Yes, I really mean that, so please reach out because I would be thrilled to hear from you. And with that, friends, it's time to close today's episode. Thank you for joining me for this chapter of the Smith & Steward podcast. If you enjoy this show, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, which has the largest listener base, or on your favorite podcatcher app. If there was a resource we discussed today that you'd like to learn more about, check out the show notes in the details section of this episode. And until next time, keep up with us by following us on Instagram at Smith & Steward. See you soon.